Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Hang in there. Sometimes when you're riding the bull, you get the horns, but uh, <laughs> you get back up and <laughs> time heals all wounds in real estate if you can hold on long enough. First, a quick word from our best ever partner, PropStream. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties in seconds, nationwide or specific to any zip code. You can skip trace owner information, Find cash buyers specific to an area and find other investors to potentially partner with or fund your deals. PropStream provides you the comprehensive data and market insight you need to be at the top of your real estate game. PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail. Even if you're not in real estate, PropStream can help you locate high net worth individuals to invest in your non-real estate business, or if you are in real estate, then you can find them to invest in your real estate business. You can use this tool to find people who have millions of dollars in equity in their homes, and you can reach out to them via email, telephone, or snail mail. This is the perfect real estate investing tool for wholesalers and real estate agents, real estate investors, and entrepreneurs. I love how easy the PropStream website is to use. With a few clicks, you can review comps in the area or estimate rehab costs prior to purchasing a property. Act now to take advantage of the plethora of properties that have and will continue to hit the market during this time. And best ever listeners, do you know we got something special for you? You're going to receive a free seven-day all-access trial to experience all the features this powerful tool has, and you'll experience it firsthand. Just go to your seven day free trial.com that's y-o-u-r the number seven day free trial.com get started with this get your seven day free trial and start growing your business even more so than you have been quick disclaimer the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. What's to say, William Walker. How you doing, William? Doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It's my pleasure. A little bit about William. He's the co-owner of 4M Capital Real Estate Investment. His portfolio consists of 1,650 units. He's built and sold approximately 10 single-family homes. 
he's got five years of real estate investing experience. So how did he get to this point within five years? That's one question I want to ask. He's based in Nashville, Tennessee. So with that being said, William, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Originally from Nashville, didn't come from any kind of real estate family or multi-generational company type deal, but started getting into real estate in 2014, really studying the business and trying to learn as much as I could. Through college, I studied accounting and finance and continued to learn real estate just whenever I could, educating myself, getting involved, going to the meetings, that sort of thing. In about 2016, I had acquired two rental properties, single family, and had positioned myself to get into a group within the organization I was working for at the time. Ernst & Young started out as an auditor, CPA route, but moved into their transaction real estate practice in 2017 in Atlanta, Georgia. Got a lot of great experience there and worked on some larger multifamily acquisitions from a consulting standpoint, doing things like commercial appraisal, quality of earnings analysis, and due diligence. When MidAmerica purchased Post Properties in 2017, it was about 20,000 units. We were very involved in that acquisition, and that was a great learning experience for me. Another big part of my background was getting involved in a coaching and networking mastermind for multifamily and just getting around operators that weren't in the institutional level that I was used to seeing from my corporate days but more boots on the ground, putting deals together. So that was a great experience as well. It was key in some of the relationships that I made in those groups to where I am today. A lot to unpack. First, what coaching group are you referring to? It's Ari Mentor, or is Ari Mentor. Ari Mentor. Okay. Is that Dave Lindahl? Yes, that's correct. Cool. And you mentioned that it was interesting to see the difference between non-institutional, more boots-on-the-ground investors compared to your EY experience where it's very institutional and working on an acquisition of 20,000 units. I'd like to learn more about some things that you have learned from more boots-on-the-ground that perhaps institutional players could either implement or it's just interesting to you from your institutional experience. Yeah. The best way I can describe it or how I've described it in the past with the institutional side, it's more of a top-down approach and very future-oriented and projection-based. As you know, there's all kinds of assumptions that go into a multifamily model. And when you're dealing with that large of portfolios, I think a lot of the underwriting and decisions are made on data you have and kind of fine-tuning those models for maybe 100 to 200 basis point yield difference. But and more of the boots on the ground, the entrepreneur level, I would say it's more of a, a bottom-up approach. And you're really looking at more of a, an operational side of things. And what's this property going to take to run today? If I took over today, where would I deploy troops? Where would I deploy capital? Construction is a big thing that a lot of people, I think, in the finance world don't necessarily know well. Maybe they have national averages that they can plug into the model. But I think really getting on site and understanding construction and understanding where you can save money and where you can be taken advantage of is critical. And that's typically, from my experience, wasn't learned at the institution side, more on the entrepreneurial boots on the ground side. I'd say more so managing the asset. Thank you for that. It was a poorly worded question and you answered it very well. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you. So let's talk about 
what you just said, knowing construction well, where you can lose money or save money, and you tend to see the entrepreneurs, local owners, just non-institutional groups and guys and gals do that better. What are some specific examples that you can talk about? Specific examples I could talk about is CapEx. That's a big thing that it's one of the largest assumptions going into an acquisition. And I think it's very rarely talked about. So coming up with a number that you know is going to enable you to execute your value add plan and knowing that you can get those renovations done for that cost and breaking that down on a painful detail is very important. And again, if you're not really plugged into construction, you're not communicating with GCs regularly, you're not involved in projects like roofing or replacing 200 windows or any of the things that go into these value-add renovation plans, then it's difficult to know, okay, can I really execute my plan with this CapEx amount of money, have reserves left over? And I think those are things that are really learned from getting experience on job sites or, or talking with GCs constantly. And maybe some of the more private equity guys side of the business were doing that, but I just didn't see that a lot on the institutional side. So not that you can't still execute a successful acquisition and plan, but I think when you break out and you're putting together money and raising deals on your own and doing it more on an entrepreneurial scale, and you don't have quite the budgets that MidAmerica has or Cortland has, then it's very important to, one, be able to know your cost, know that you're not being taken advantage of, and they're doing a lot more work than really needs to be done, right? Because contractors want to do more work. So sometimes knowing what not to do is really beneficial. And then just working with GCs, it's difficult to find good general contractors that you can trust. You can give them enough lease to work and not get into trouble or have change orders all over the place. So it's a dance with the construction side of the business. And that's in the 60s, 70s, 80s built space. That's one of the biggest components I would say to run in a successful plan is executing that construction in a cost-effective way and with minimal overspend. It's interesting when you mentioned knowing what not to do is as important as knowing what you need to do. Do you have an example of that that you could just drill yeah. down a little bit? Thank you. Yeah, real specifically, I can think of when we were pricing window replacement on, I think it was 150 units, 160 units. And we were walking the property with the window contractor that we were going to have install the property. And he was telling us all of these different things of we got to replace the window seal and redo this and redo that. And my partner at the time was just basically giving an example of, well, what if we just did this as far as not replace the window seal and pop it in from the back? And it was kind of a dumbfounded look. And I'm not sure if he just didn't think of that or he wasn't expecting someone to know, but Basically, it cut the work in half on replacing a window, and you extrapolate that over 150 units, call it four windows a unit. It's a big cost saving. So that's what I mean when knowing what not to do, because sometimes a GC will look at a job, and they might do more than what's absolutely necessary. Another recent example I could provide was we were doing a simple turn at a property we own, and our maintenance supervisor was thinking that we needed to replace the subfloor based on one little area. And instead of ripping up the toilet, 
ripping up the flooring, the subflooring. We cut out a piece of the flooring, replaced <laughs> that subflooring, and then laid over our flooring. It wasn't brand new, but probably cut our costs half, if not more. And just kind of the daily decisions like that that are hard to catch from afar. And mm-hmm. within big projects, there's decisions made on the ground a lot that are difficult to come up with if-then scenarios to anticipate every time. Hmm. And just knowing that having that construction knowledge to be able to make that right call and say, no, we don't need to do this. We can do it a different way and save a lot of money. is very important in coming back to that CapEx budget and maintaining that budget and getting the work you need done. You studied accounting and finance in college, and then you were an auditor shortly thereafter, it sounds like. And then you moved into transactions with real estate. But how did you get this background in construction and knowing it well? And you seem to really go back to, hey, this is a part of the business that you've got to be an expert on. So how did you get that expertise? That was really developed through my partner who's stronger in that area than myself and learning through some of the acquisitions we've done over the past several years. Growing up, I started working from an early age for my dad and different types of work like that, doing some work with your hands. So I think it was instilled in me and something that I wasn't scared to get involved in and doing. It was a little comfortable doing from a labor standpoint, but really just getting involved in some of these transactions. I was also involved with a couple of partners doing some single family builds, as you mentioned, in Nashville. And on one of those projects, I basically inserted myself as a project manager. I wasn't swinging hammers or executing on the labor side, but what I was doing is scheduling and coordinating all of the different trades to come in and build that house. And that gave me a a really accelerated understanding of once you start tearing down drywall, okay, what are the components of the house or the apartment unit? And once you start breaking down behind the drywall, it really opens people's eyes and it becomes a lot easier to visualize, okay, how is this built and take that moving forward. But It's a gradual stepping stone type deal, just one project after another, getting involved in construction, not necessarily executing, but getting involved, getting on site, understanding what's going on, that sort of thing. Five years, almost 1,700 units, and approximately 10 single-family homes being built. How'd you do that in such a short period of time? Oh, I definitely didn't do it by myself. I had some good partners had some people that I was lucky not to partner with along the way as well. Uh, (laughs) Going back to sometimes it's things you don't do or knowing what not to do. So surrounding yourself with the right people, being relentless. And I think educating myself to when I finally did get opportunities to get deals done and put them together and be a part of that, knowing what I'm talking about and being able to add value in any way that I could. Let's talk specifics. What's the largest deal unit-wise that you own? That would be the 208 units that we acquired in December. It was 80% occupied. I got it from a, a longtime owner who had built the property, fully paid it off, fully depreciated it, and it needed some real good TLC. Mm-hmm. Where at? That's in South Georgia, Columbus, Georgia. Okay. And you are not there. You're based in Nashville. So first off, You said you have a business partner who's stronger at construction than you are. Who's on the team and what are their primary roles? Maureen Miles is my partner and it's leading the charge, but we have a property management company that manages our internal properties. We don't do any third party. There's approximately 
49 people working operationally across the properties in management, maintenance, sales, regional managers. We also have a construction company that's headed up by an individual who is kind of a construction expert supervisor. He manages all the CapEx projects across our portfolio. And we're working with two virtual assistants that help us as well. But we're pretty lean and mean. We work virtually as well to a certain degree. We have a controller that sits in Nashville. It helps us with our financial reporting and and tax preparation. And we're trying to build more of an office in Nashville. But with our current economic and and health situation, that kind of put a uh, little bit of a kink in the chain on building a presence in Nashville from an executive standpoint, building out that back office support. But we're still communicating and working virtually and able to carry on. The largest is 208. If you can just quickly go through some other large deals that you've got, I just want to learn more about your portfolio. Yeah, starting July 2018, we bought a 160-unit property in Georgia, and then we went on to buy close to a little over 1,400, like 1,490, I think was the the final number by that next year. So had a really big year in 2019, but I ran through those acquisitions to be 160 units, bought a 58 unit that was at auction, all cash transaction. The next one was a 108 unit in Atlanta, Georgia. After that, we bought a portfolio of an 88 unit and 107 unit property that were real close together. 70s built. Closely after that, we closed a four pack of deals. That one was 165 units in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Another was 172 units in Indiana another 88-unit complex, a 50-unit complex that was all purchased together. I'd say we're opportunistic. We're not so big that we're going to scoff at at something under 100 units, but Mm -hmm. in order for us to buy a smaller property, it's really going to have to make sense and be a juicy one, as we say, and probably have somewhat of a a presence in that market already where it's not a huge burden on management, can be absorbed in our current management infrastructure in that market. And the largest deal that the company has done in years past would be 270 units, okay. 272, I think. It was. And you exited that one. 2019, we sold 1,100 units and picked up about 1,490. So I'd love to learn more about what you've learned from buying units between 50 to 100 size properties. Some people stay away from those. You and your business partner do not. So what are some things to keep in mind that we should be aware of when we're purchasing that size of property? The stereotype, I guess, that the smaller ones can be more difficult than the larger ones. That's definitely true. Uh, In the 50 unit that we purchased, that's the smallest one we've done. There was some HUD issues that we had to jump through all kinds of hoops. It was a mom and pop owner. Their records were poor. They weren't in compliance with HUD. HUD hadn't been doing inspections. So basically we had to coach the seller through getting all of this information prepped. We had to deal with HUD. This was back during the government close down of last year as well. So that delayed us. But I would say the smaller properties can be more difficult to run because you don't have over revenue to cover a full-time staff or, or cover that overhead. So a lot of time is spent on those units. If you don't have that larger management presence, if you have a couple hundred units in the market and 
you have a property a mile down the street, that's a completely different conversation than saying, hey, I want to move into a new market and buy this 50-unit property. By the way, I'm five states away. That might not be a winning solution. I'm not saying it can't work, but that would be my my best advice. If you don't have that three miles away, you just said it's not a winning solution, but I'm not saying it can't work. So how could it work? It would work if you bought it off market in a distressed situation at a very good price per door. And it didn't really matter because you had enough room in that deal to execute the plan, hire somebody to manage it and still make money on the back end. Got it. What are some ways that you found effective to find those 50 to 100 unit deals? Working with some brokers that aren't necessarily on the national platform. The guys that are not new to the business necessarily, but maybe have a smaller brokerage shop and aren't doing the national marketing blast with the CBREs and the Cushman and Wakefields of the world. Typically, they're attacking some of those smaller type units and secondary and tertiary markets. And how do you find those local brokers since they're not on the national stage? It's a combination, I think, of networking, trying to get our name out there tracking deals that have been closed and seeing who the brokers were on those deals and getting in touch with them that way. But I think it's getting out there. Getting in this business is very much to me a long-term game and it takes a little while to build a reputation. I think a lot of people get in it and within six to 12 months, you never hear from them again. So in my eyes, there's almost a testing period where you're not really taken serious by any of the brokers until they know you've either closed the deal or they've seen you come around for more than six to 12 months uh, kind of thing. And also with brokers, they go in and out of the business as well. But I just go back to just network as much as you can. I'm more involved in the operations and acquisitions of the business nowadays. But in the beginning, when I was first getting going and cutting my teeth, I would talk to anybody I could find, go to any event I could find and build those relationships. And over time, when you're able to look back and say, they remember meeting you a year to a year and a half ago, and you can call back on those same people and refer to deals that you've done and ask them what they've been doing and what do they got coming up kind of thing. It completely changes the conversation from cold calling a broker that you have no prior relationship with, you've never met before and telling them that you want to buy an eight cap deal in this market and you've got the money to do it kind of thing. So I think it just takes time and diligence and persistence and networking. What software program, if any, do you use to track the deals that have closed and see what brokers were representing the seller? We use Active Campaign for CRM management tool. It's one of the tools we use. And then good old fashioned Excel spreadsheets definitely have many spreadsheets and lists of tracking different deals that we're interested in and try and be selective and instead of taking a shotgun approach, maybe more of a a rifle approach and really being targeted about who we're speaking with, who we're building relationships, which deals we're targeting that maximize our game plan and what we believe is we're best suited for and our competitive advantage, if you will. So active campaign, to the best of my knowledge, is a CRM that reminds you to follow up with people and sends out messages What I was referring to is how are you getting that information to put into active campaign? So tracking deals that have closed and seeing the brokers that represent them. Is it just speaking to other people and talking to them or do you have some software subscription or what? Yeah, we'll call brokers that we're talking to. 
we see closing announcements that are passed out you know, going to the Secretary of State website, obviously, where all real property information is saved and stored in public record. A lot of research done there. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Hang in there. Sometimes when you're riding the bull, you get the horns, but uh, <laughs> if you get back up and <laughs> time heals all wounds in real estate, if you can hold on long enough. Spoken like a person from Nashville. Thank you for that analogy. <laughs> We're going to do a lightning round. Be conservative in your underwriting. That's well capitalized. All of these. Uh, I want to ask you a follow-up question regarding your bull by the horns thing, but I'm going to ask in the lightning yes. round. So first, you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. All right. First, a uh, quick word from our best ever partners. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties, locate potential investors, or gain invaluable market insight in seconds. PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail, which will help you close more deals with less stress. Visit your7dayfreetrial.com to start your free trial and experience all the amazing features PropStream has to offer. That's your the number seven day free trial.com. Are you looking to get started in multifamily investing or looking to grow your portfolio? Nathan Tabor has created an online course that is slammed with incredibly useful and practical information. Check it out at apartments.nathantabor.com. All right, William. So on that note, what deal have you lost the most amount of money on? Knock on wood, haven't lost any money on any deals yet. I'm looking for some wood to knock on right now. <laughs> What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? I would say maybe not doing a deal. I was a little conservative on one that I should have pulled the trigger on. I got hung up on a delinquency charge that I thought I might have to pay to an HOA board. But looking back, uh, I should have done that deal. You can't, but, uh, think, of a mis- you can't think of a mistake you've made on a deal? Any maybe not, uh, <laughs> like, maybe just... not requesting an updated survey from the attorney when I, I should have. So we had to do a rush charge on the new survey so it wouldn't delay our financing. That's something I can think of. What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? Anonymously. I typically look for opportunities that pass me by and do what feels right. An organization that I've donated to lately that I think is a great cause is Operation Underground Railroad. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about you and your company? Through your typical social media platforms. Instagram is my one of choice and through our website at 4MREI.com. And that will also be in the show notes link, the website URL. William, thank you for being on the show, talking about the importance of knowing construction and CapEx projections and giving some specific examples, one of them being replacing the subfloor. No, 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 just a piece of the flooring and cutting costs in half at least just through that. And you mentioned other examples as well. And then talking about the importance of partnerships as well as talking a little bit about the 50 to 100 unit transactions and what to look for from a team. And if you don't have the other properties in those areas, then here's what you do need in order to make the numbers work. Off market, good price per door, and then you're going in at a good basis. So thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have the best ever day. Talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe.